And if you go back to 2019 and see that we were pessimistic, what we are is contrarian. When the whole world is saying the world looks good forever, we say, whoa, that's when you should start worrying. And when the whole world says we're about to fall off a cliff, we say that probably means we're not. If everybody is telling you, be careful, we're right next to a cliff, you're less likely to fall off the cliff than if they're saying, it's fine, go ahead, you're, you're fine, everybody's fine. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to an exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Together we are bald. And bearded. And bearded. Those are our first two disclosures. We also like really horrible puns. Uh, you'll hear that throughout the episode. If that disturbs you in any way, we suggest that you possibly may be listening to the wrong economics program. Oh yeah, that's another thing. We do economics. So this is the Personal Wealth Coach. Since we began with the disclosures, we'll continue with the disclosures. The Personal Wealth Coach is not just the name of this program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The two people at that firm that are the principals there are the same two people that are talking to these phone balls on the microphones. That's not a coincidence. However, just because the firm is registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC thinks that we are particularly um, wonderful people or horrible people. That's not part of the registration process. They have not anointed us or given us any sort of kudos, thumbs up, attaboys, or mulligans for that matter. Um, also, registered with the uh, SEC to give investment advice, which we can't give on the air because investment advice, we have to actually know who we're talking to. And while no one may be listening but us, that doesn't necessarily mean that we know ourselves. There's some great philosophy in there. Uh, know thyself. Let's use some Elizabethan English while we're doing our disclosures. So what are we doing? We're all registered to give advice, but we can't give advice on the air. So why are we even talking? Hopefully... Now, therein is a good question. What's that? Why are we even talking? Why are we even talking? Right. It's a, it's a deep and good question to ask, and I'm not sure we have an answer to it. Uh, we are talking because our mouths are moving and we're using our vocal cords somehow. Um, we are flapping meat to make noises. This is, this is how we talk. Uh, why? That's a deeper question. It's really hard. How is easier than why? Uh, we are giving education on this radio program. Um, that's interesting. We do not pay for this radio program. However, we're not paid to do the radio program. We do, however, advertise for the radio program on this station. Uh, your last disclosure, if, if you would, please. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. We do, however, completely warranty and guarantee that any information we do not say was not said by us. Right. That's yeah. important. It's very important. You got to you got to make sure these bases are all covered. And why would you cover a base? That seems like I don't know. All you bases are belong to us. So we have some series of subjects to go over today. Um, uh, the, the first thing I want to say is uh, Dr. Robert Salo uh, passed away this week. Who is that guy? He was a professor of economics at MIT for a long time, won the Nobel Prize in economics, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the 
John Bates Clark medal and a lot of other big things. But truly the thing that's important here is he's the guy, the first guy that really wrote papers to say productivity and new technology are required for continued growth in an economy. That sounds pretty basic to most of us today. Of course it is. Innovation, new technology, that's what causes growth. If you remember back over the past even three or four months, we've talked about GDP and how it's calculated and how it's mostly in most countries based on the population and the productivity per person in the population. It's a pretty loose calculation. And it doesn't take into account at all the silo model. Uh, The silo model is, hey, how much innovation is occurring in in an economy? What is the future implication from that? Productivity increases come directly from new technology. And if you don't have new technology, you can't grow yourself out of it with just a lot of money. I'll give you a case in point. The UAE or Saudi Arabia, they have massive influxes of money because they sell oil. But is their economy growing in any way other than from oil sales? Another place, case in point, would be Russia. Russia has all this money coming in from oil prior to the Ukraine war. Um, And it caused their economy to grow over time, but they don't have a lot of innovation. I mean, they were just announcing a prototype new car. They don't build cars. They don't build airplanes anymore. They don't build helicopters or trains or they produce oil. They do cutting of logs. It's like natural production of stuff, but there's not a lot of innovation there. So based on the solo model, we could see there was a limitation on the kind of growth for the future. Whereas the United States has been growing hugely, even though we're a much more mature economy than Russia or the UAE. Why? Well, because of our innovations in technology and the way we measure that comes back directly to Robert Salo. So I just wanted to take a moment and recognize his passing and the works that he did to help us understand the world. Now, I'm going to do a segue here from that subject to something that we talked about at the beginning of the year quite a lot and at the end of last year quite a lot. Um, There's an article in Axios, um, why everyone was so wrong about the 2023 economy. Uh, And there are articles all over that I have pulled up about the end of 2022 and the headlines. So here's here's the headlines that I've got here. This is from Bloomberg. Um, This is the end of 2022, not 2023. This is their prediction for this year that we're almost through. This this headline is the best, by the way. I love this. Forecast for U.S. recession within a year hits 100% and blow to Biden. Bloomberg Economics sees near certainty a downturn and it will start. Well, just to give you a little near certainty and the words 100%, the near, <laughs> this is in the same headline. Uh, that is certainty. 100% isn't, I mean, unless you're in sports, and then you can do 110%. But for the rest of us in the real world, 100% means certainty. They went hook, line, and sinker into this because of the inverted yield curve. Um, uh, the Economist, great. I mean, Bloomberg's a great publication. The Economist is a great publication. Why a global recession is inev- inevitable in 2023. That's, that's from um, The Economist. And there's a lot of other headlines out there. Uh, Wall Street Journal, a recession for thee, but not for me. Recession looms, but markets haven't gotten the message. Um, These are all from last year. Why was everyone so wrong? And how did I just segue from ownership and all of that to say this subject? 
the reason why everybody was so wrong is they didn't understand ownership. The reason, the reason that we kept coming back to and pointing at about why we didn't see a recession for 2023. Is it possible to have a recession in 2024? It is. It is possible. We said that about 2023 as well. There's not. We don't know all the variables. Things happen. We could have a couple of major hurricanes that causes recessions regularly. Uh, those are things that we can't predict. We're not meteorologists. Um, what we can say is that at the beginning of 2023, when we looked at the net worth and the cash values of cash in people's bank accounts, that's ownership. What they do with that, what the people of the United States did with the money that they owned in their own bank accounts, even though everyone was saying things are bad, interest rates are too high, and inflation is, is going to be horrible and so on, the fact that they owned more than they had the year before caused them to continue to act as if things were good. And we were looking at bank account balances across the United States, the M2 and M3 money supply, to say, we have a lot of money sitting there. It's really hard to have a recession when we have this much money everywhere in the United States. And that number has come down. The amount of money in our bank accounts has come down, but it's still about a third more than what people had in the bank in 2019. That's significantly more than even if you applied inflation to it. So why is it that we looked at that and said, no recession doesn't look like it to us? It isn't because of the inverted yield curve. That was a bad sign. Uh, it means new innovation was not likely to happen. What did happen? Where were there recessions in the United States? Wait a minute. Does that sound like an oxymoron? I just said we didn't have a recession. And now I'm saying where were there recessions in the United States? If you're a real estate agent right now, you're probably not very happy. Um, that is kind of across the board from one side of the country to the other. The real estate market is a mess. It is It is the Interest rates are high. People don't want to leave the mortgage they're in now, so there's not a lot of houses coming on the market. In order to, to buy a house, you have to agree to a, a, a monthly payment that doesn't make any sense based on the last two decades. It's caused sales to drop drastically. It's caused a lot, a lot of real recession in one small area or large area of our economy. The other area that I can point out directly, and everyone can say, oh, that's true, car sales. Last year at this point, you could still sell a used car for more than a new car. That's not normal in history. Uh, not that history with cars goes back more than about 100 years, but that's not normal for 100 years. Usually a, a used car is not worth as much as a new car. That's true of computers. It's true of almost anything. New should be more valuable than used except we didn't have enough new cars. Prices were high. Used cars were selling at high speeds. If you are in the business of selling automobiles, you're feeling a lot of pain right now because those prices have all come down. New car prices, used car prices, all those prices have come way down. And if you're being paid on commission for how much value you sell in a car, you've had a pretty severe pay cut. Another place where we've seen some really big hit is in the big tech area. If you're a programmer, the advent of computers being able to write code has caused a lot of fluctuations in your employment. Now, most programmers that lost their job, the vast majority of programmers that lost their job this year immediately got a new job. And this is a part of an amazing cycle in the economy. 
So it's not a true recession for programmers. If you were working for a big tech company and you were a programmer at the beginning of the year, it's likely a large percentage of you got laid off. So what happened? Why do you have a job still? Because you went from a big company to a much smaller company. Because in order to use the new AI to write code, somebody has to understand the code that the AI is writing. So the big tech companies say we don't need as many programmers because it takes fewer of us now that the computer's helping us write it. So we're going to lay off all these programmers. Well, then the programmers went to mom and pop shops that have never had a programmer there before that can now work by themselves as if they were a team because AI is helping them. So the innovation didn't cause us to lose jobs. Jobs went away, but new ones were formed faster than the old ones went away. It is still imminently hard to be unemployed if you're a programmer right now, because even if you don't want a job, you're going to get offers because small businesses want to update their technology. They're using some off the shelf product that wasn't designed for their company at some point in the past. They're using Excel for their uh, database system. They're using um, Word documents to try to track their sales process. And one programmer can now step into that mom and pop shop and change their entire method of doing business and increase productivity. And we're seeing that. We've seen productivity gains this year that are just off the charts, as if we were in a recession. And that's one of the things about recessions that we come back to. Recessions are required. Without recessions, we don't innovate. When you say, what? It's, what are you talking about? Well, if you're in a successful business and and you are building a product and people are buying it from you and they're buying it from you at the price that you're offering and you're filling up your whole day just building and selling those products. You don't have time to innovate very well. When people stop buying those products and you start having some extra time on your hands and you start saying, all right, how do we do this? We had to lay people off. How do we get more productive with a fewer number of people so that we can still stay in business. That's how innovation occurs. Um, the, the whole concept of adversity being the mother of innovation is absolutely true. And we've had that in doses that didn't take the whole economy into recession. Um, this is something that is true for 2023. This is the first year in 40 years, four zero, that's four decades, that the size of the square footage of a new house has gone down instead of up. Well, you say, well, Jake, that's not innovation. It is innovation. It, where the market is innovating to what demand is bringing. How do you bring the house prices down if the price per square footage doesn't change? You have to change the amount of square footage. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get more innovative in how you design the house. You maybe don't need an auditorium for your master bedroom where people spend you know, one hour a day in their master bedroom, the rest of the time, the rest in the rest of the house, there's an auditorium in there for one or two people to enjoy. That's not a very efficient method of building a house. So innovation and technology don't necessarily always mean AI and better coding methods. It's also how to design a house that's more efficient for actual using instead of, well, my house is bigger than it was last time situations. So we've got a lot more to talk about on that subject, but this is key to why we didn't see a recession coming. The demand and the change in demand that we saw and the supply of money that we saw just basically said we weren't going to have a recession. 
And now we took a lot of flack for that. We got a lot of emails saying, you guys are too optimistic. And I, at the time, requested and I'm still requesting that you go back to the bottoms of the market when we're optimistic. And if you go back to 2019 and see that we were pessimistic, what we are is contrarian. When the whole world is saying the world looks good forever, we say, whoa, that's when you should start worrying. And when the whole world says we're about to fall off a cliff, we say that probably means we're not. If everybody is telling you, be careful, we're right next to a cliff, you're less likely to fall off the cliff than if they're saying, it's fine, go ahead, you're, you're fine, everybody's fine. And that's counterintuitive because when everybody is saying something, usually, you know, if you're in a crowded room and everybody's running to an exit, you should probably go too. You might want to make sure you don't get stuck in any doorways or trampled. But if the crowd is leaving the room at high rates of speed, it's probably a good idea to leave. That's in a physical environment where we see a threat and we all run as herd animals. In the market and the economy, it's the opposite. When everybody runs away is the time to move in and buy. And when everybody is running in to buy, that's the time to oblige them and sell it back to them. Uh, that is something that we have seen. And as long as the predominant headlines are the, the still the recession's about to happen, we're pretty convinced it's not. Well, even in physical environments, stampeding when people stampede is not necessarily a good idea. We right. got to do some commercials. Yeah. Um, keep your head when everybody around you is not. Uh, that's a pretty good... Losing, losing theirs, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. And we're about out of time for this hour. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, uh, you, our voicemail is waiting locally at... 254-947-1111. Or you can reach that same line toll-free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com. There's radio programs going back a long time. You can find podcasts wherever you find podcasts. Uh, you can contact us directly at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. And we appreciate you listening. We'll be back next hour, but this is our last first hour of The Personal Wealth Coach.